0: Joker. Joker. It may be, for me, the movie of the year. Because, while there are many, many, actually very good movies this year, and we'll talk about them here before the end of the year, there was no movie where I needed to go for a very long walk after the movie. It so affected me in such a profound way. Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix... And directed by Todd Phillips Who is my guest today on my podcast Rumble with Michael Moore Thank you um, for listening Todd Phillips uh, is uh, an amazing (laughs) director And he's directed all kinds of movies From documentaries to the Hangover series Hilarious comedies And, And now this The kind of film you really haven't seen since Stanley Kubrick that it's that profound in its in its um, intent and ability to grab the audience in in such a way that you know this is a piece of art set very much in the times in which we live. It's a brave piece of filmmaking. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's nothing about really what you heard about perhaps. It's it's if it's the kind if you you don't if you don't go to Batman movies or comic book movies, that's fine. This isn't this is a movie for you. And I don't want anybody to miss out on this movie. And that's why I wanted Todd on my show today. Um, It's going to run a little long. It's going to run about 90 minutes. Um, But I have to tell you, I, I just I listened to it. And, you know, we have a policy here of not cutting things out. We want you to hear everything in the raw Unedited, uncensored. And, but this conversation I thought was an important one to listen to. Now, the first half hour of it isn't even about Joker. It's about Todd Phillips and how he became Todd Phillips. Um, But it's a fascinating story, especially if you're a young person who wants to be a filmmaker. Maybe you're in school. Maybe, maybe you're out of school. Maybe you didn't go to school like me. (laughs) You just, you love the movies how how did he get to the point where he made joker um that's the first half hour um and then at around the 30 minute mark we get into talking about joker and um what this film is really about the struggles he had to go through to get it made the um in the days leading up to its release the uh, the absolute belief that he and Joaquin had that they were doomed because of all the press about what the press was saying the film was about. That it's just a fascinating, um, insightful look at, um, how a movie like this even gets made. Um, and that's the, that's the six, the 60 minutes uh, of after these uh, opening 30 minutes. It's just amazing. And, All I ask really, too, is that you definitely make it, listen to the last half hour of this. It's one of the best discussions I've ever had, um, either in any of my movies or here in this podcast studio that I I built in my apartment. Uh, It's uh, um, Todd Phillips gets into talking about why we really do this, why we need to do it in a time like this. The responsibility of artists to stand up, to fight, to say something, to be of substance—all of this. Oh, it's so. It was. Um, um, don't miss the last half hour of this. Um, and I think I'll just leave it at that, and we'll get right—we'll uh, get right to it as we begin our discussion about what is humor and comedy and satire, and and who are the people that bring us bring it to us um, um, I'm really glad you're you've tuned in to this uh, we've done this now for a week this podcast that just started it and the reaction has been overwhelming over the weekend we went to number one on the charts on the podcast charts I didn't know that there were podcast charts uh, went to number one on the news charts and number three on the overall all pack all podcasts number 3 is like whoa um, so for those of you who made that happen because you're listening to it, thank you. Please subscribe. Please, you know, rate the show, uh, make comments, review it, whatever, uh, share it with your friends. Um, um, but subscribe. It's free. It's free. There's nothing, there's no, nothing here. You just, I just want you to listen. I just want to be, uh, you know, a little piece of your life. And I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you let me into that. And, um, uh, it's it's important right now especially that we that we all talk to each other and we have this um this interaction and this conversation and i'm so glad to invite you into this conversation that i just had with todd phillips the director of joker
1: but where are the clouds
0: there are to be clouds have felt this way for since i was a teenager thinking isn't that interesting that the funniest comedians are our funniest satirists or or yeah and i wonder how much and 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 maybe you've studied this too because you know you've made some of the some great comedies and in my opinion uh, hangover is easily in the top three of the modern day thank you film comedies right thank you you know um now what are the other two right uh bridesmaids right there's something about mary yeah um i would say borat step brothers well, Borat, <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know where to put borat because yeah. it's kind of uh i was a
1: writer on borat i got nominated for an academy award for borat I'm is so, that right yeah yeah oh my god um worked with such on that so but, you
0: started working the whole idea out with him yes, early on very oh, early my god
1: yeah what yeah. was that like? It was amazing. I, I met him early and I... and I. There's another
0: angry guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Again, I mean, it does. It's a lot of... I mean, because, you know, comedy is based in truth and sometimes truth makes you angry. And, you know, truth nowadays has become offensive. And so a lot of comedy has become offensive. <laughs> and it's a very weird kind yeah. of time to live. Um,
0: yeah. But comedy has to be offensive. Yes. I mean, otherwise, because comedians... It has to be irreverent. And, irreverent. Uh, and, yes. But comedians are saying the things the rest of us are afraid to say it's
1: literally the job
0: (laughs) yeah so you're setting yourself up for you know um maybe you know maybe people are not gonna like me if i say this but it's um if some of these things don't get said no matter how painful it is to listen to them yeah then i think we're the worse off for it yeah that's my feeling about that but i think that that I don't know, when I say you know like your film like Hangover or Bridesmaids or there's something about Mary or uh, or some of the others that you mentioned. Well, uh,
1: Borat and Step Brothers yeah. and just Step, Step, Brothers Step Brothers just <laughs> to me it was the most rewatchable comedy.
0: You see I also believe as filmmakers, you know, cuz people will say to me, "Wow, well, Mike, you know I, mean, I the kinds of I don't make the films that you make. You know, you're so there's so um, these issues are so important and and I'm like, "No, no, no. My belief as all of us as filmmakers, if we do nothing else, then after the end of a hard week, people work hard. We work longer hours in this country than any other country. Mm-hmm. At the end of the week, if we can give them a couple of hours of of joy, of course. Of, of of any of a range of emotions, yeah, I mean the whether they're crying, it, yeah, <laughs> whether they get mad, yep, any of that. We've done a service, I think.
1: Yeah, I've had that so many times where I made old school or the Hangover movies, or where somebody would come up to me and be like, "I just got to tell you, I saw your movie. I'd been in the worst mood for two weeks. I saw your movie, and it just made me forget everything and laugh for two hours, and I, I literally feel better after. Yes. I mean, there is value in coming. I mean, it's what right? Sullivan's Travels, right? right. Preston Sturges' right. film. It's there is there is value you're, you're you're adding value to the world when you can make a movie like the hangover made so much money around the world you do the math you go oh you made 80 million people laugh that's right. not nothing
0: <laughs> no i think it's really something and i think that actually sullivan's travels was on tv this week oh fine. i just happened to cross it so i watched it again yeah and and if you haven't seen the film it's um Basically, the, the the long and the short of it is a Hollywood film director. This is the set in the 40s. Right? Yeah, late late 30, yeah, late 30s. Yeah, late 30s. Yeah, it was the Depression. Right. Um, And uh, he decides he doesn't want to make frivolous comedies anymore. He wants to go make Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? A serious social-minded film about the hard times everybody's going through and um uh, and so he goes out he decides to become a a, a a what would be called a hobo right back then it was like a homeless
1: person but then it was <laughs> yes. literally a hobo and like go undercover as a hobo, undercover <laughs> as
0: right. a, so imagine like a hollywood director today deciding i'm going to go undercover <laughs> as a homeless person in downtown la right and uh and out of that i'm going to make my my, my masterpiece my <laughs> opus and um and so, but what he finds out along the way, just to skip to the end of the movie, is that in the end, and of course, he's been arrested, he's been <laughs> imprisoned. Right? They're, he's on a work gang in a prison, and he's and the prisoners are being taken to a church where it's you know uh, Monday movie night. They're showing it on a wall, a yep. movie. With all, he's there with all the other prisoners, and he's so upset, and he's just like. And and it's a it's an old early, early Walt Disney movie. Yeah. Right. So um he uh he notices everybody is so happy and it's a black church. Yeah. It's it's people who in the thirties would be having it the worst. Not that it's mm. a hell of a lot better now, but right. basically and he looks around the church, and everybody is laughing and smiling and touching each other, like, "Oh, this is so right, great!" Right, slapping, slapping each slapping other in each the back. back. And and he's like, "Oh, wait a minute! I used to do this. I used to make these kinds of films," and um, and he came to that conclusion that yeah, you just said that right. there is value in this, yeah. and that he decides to go back and make a a comedy because people needed relief, yeah, from especially during the Great Depression, what they were all going through, yeah. So, so, so you, so you start, well, you actually, you started out as a documentary filmmaker. I did. Yeah, right. I
1: did. I started out doing documentaries. Did you graduate
0: from film school? I
1: didn't. I I I dropped out. You dropped out. Did you ever finish college? No, I didn't finish NYU. I went to NYU and and the, the reason I dropped out wasn't some big rebellious reason. It was literally, I couldn't afford the college to, and finish the movie I was making. So the project started as my junior year Um, documentary, I, I went, you know, at NYU, there was two, two, two ways you can go. You can go narrative or documentary. I literally went the documentary route because I didn't know that I had it in me to write scripts yet. I feel like sometimes you go to film school and a lot of 18 year olds don't have much to say. So I always viewed documentaries as a way to kind of live life on fast forward, to get life experience, you know, like to be in places and do things you wouldn't normally do. And at the same time, make a film, um, I mean, the first movie, just to backtrack, that, that actually made me want to be a filmmaker was Gimme Shelter, mm. um, you know, Maisel's and Rolling Charlotte Swernon's mm. film on the Altamont and yeah. the 69 um, yeah. uh, Rolling Stones uh, tour. And the reason why that was is because if you remember that movie, I saw it on VHS at a friend's house when I was like 12 years old. His dad had it. It was They filmed in the editing room. Do you remember that amazing where they brought the cameras in the editing room and yeah. they were showing the stones, what happened at Altamont yeah. with the stabbing. Yeah, And I'd never seen an editing room. And it was the first time I understood that there are people behind movies. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. Oh, look at that. And that's how a movie's made. And they have right. this big machine. It was an eight plate Steenbeck back then. And I decided that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I just went the documentary program at NYU. Uh, so I started this, the first film I made is a, a film called hated Gigi Allen and the murder junkies It was about this punk rock band and, in um, on the scene in New York, he, although they, they weren't a New York band, he was actually in Detroit. He was in, he got arrested. and He was in jail in Ann Arbor, Michigan. When we started the movie, I'd written him in jail. Said I want to do a movie about you. He was going to get out in three months, and uh mm. and he broke parole to come to New York and do the movie. So wow. the, the movie was about him putting his band back together. The documentary is about and this sort yeah. of tour uh, fresh out of jail. Um, he. And had this, been, was nin-
0: this was in the. This was in ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Breaking parole in Michigan in 91, you know, the state was already broke. Right. So They're there, not going to track him down. No, he's tracking. There's nobody left to track. him yeah, down. Yeah. He literally called me from jail and he's like, well, you know, you guys either come out here and do it
1: because I'm on parole and I can't leave the state. And I go, oh, well, I can't bring like three crew people out there. I had no money to make
0: this you're, movie. You're a junior. In, you and in he college, goes,
1: I'm a junior in college at NYU. And he goes, uh, well, if you send me a bus ticket, I'll just come to New York and we'll do it there. And so I literally FedExed him a one-way bus ticket and he came and we started the movie here and he started putting his band back together and that's what the movie's about. But So I dropped out of NYU because I couldn't afford the the tuition at NYU, obviously, and finish this film. Um, So finished it. And, and that's how I got started. Mm.
0: So, so you dropped out of NYU and you're an, you're an undergrad.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. I was in the
0: undergrad program. Didn't go back. You don't have a degree. No. Okay. Although it's depressing to people listening to this who are now who are paying 40,000 a year. For masters. Right. (laughs) Well,
1: I was a New York city resident, so I got a ton of financial aid. So really I was only paying three grand a year to go to NYU. Wow. Don't Um, tell people that either. (laughs) That's just so depressing. So, but I still, those still to get that three grand, you do loans. Right. Right, So, you know, you finish but so I needed that 3 grand of junior and senior year to actually finish the movie um but but in fairness I I should say that when the Hangover the first Hangover won the golden globe for uh, best comedy or yeah. music, whatever that best thing film
0: is, of the year uh Comedy, (laughs) yes,
1: exactly. Best film of the year, parentheses, comedy. It won the Golden Globe, and um, the dean at the time of NYU sent me uh, FedEx me a diploma with a letter, and she said, "Can you please stop saying you didn't graduate from NYU?" Oh my god! (laughs) Which I thought was really sweet. So I I should, I should say that I
0: I dropped out in my sophomore year of uh, University of Michigan Flint branch. Okay, (laughs) they have never sent me. Oh, really? (laughs) No, anything. And in fact. Michigan State noticed that that Michigan had never done that for me, so they gave me an honorary doctorate oh, that's a couple of years ago. That's beautiful. But um, but anyway, so okay, so so you start with documentaries. You start with this one. Yeah. Then, when I first met you, yes, was your second?
1: Yeah, second movie that we did for. uh, hbo and um when i was doing frat house it was called frat house and uh it was sort of this uh, look at fraternities and hazing in the in the mid to late 90s there and um when i was doing hated um after i was also interning for sheila nevins the great sheila nevins at hbo because i was obsessed with documentary and i just knew if i get in there i can see how these things are made and you know um Sheila was amazing to me Knew I dropped out of school And still let me intern When I was dropped out For another year there I was with her for two years Um, And then I brought her This idea uh, With a friend of mine To do um Frat House and she gave us the money to do it and and we went and made it and it ended up winning the grand jury prize at Sundance. Where I don't remember if you were as on the judge if you were on the jury. I, that year. The,
0: I can't remember if that was the year I was on the I know Nick ju- Broomfield
1: was on the jury. Were you ever yeah. with him? Yeah, I oh. I, I,
0: I me- well I know Wait. I was I was there that year also because I I had made um a documentary uh, where I had traveled across the country on a book tour yeah, and it was called the big one. Right. And, and you know what I most remember about that? This is January of 98, Eight. right? Yep. Okay. While we're there that week at Sundance, the news breaks about uh, Monica Lewinsky oh, and the right. whole thing right. that led to his impeachment right? Be- began. I that remember we, we were like going to movies and then trying to watch TV. Right. Like, holy crap. What's going to happen? Yeah. Here? So, but, uh, so, w- so we, you have to remind me how we met there. So, well, that. I
1: just met you because you're Michael Moore and I've been obsessed with you because I know documentary filmmakers the way some people know, uh, rock singers, you know, right. meeting you and Nick Broomfield there for me was, was not a small thing. So I still have a photo of you and I think it was your wife at the time. I'm standing in between you, <laughs> you, you have your arm around me and uh, I just have a beaming smile. It's literally in my office in LA.
0: Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Now, see, obviously you, somebody, I can't remember everybody I took a picture with, but. um,
1: It was a big moment for me.
0: And uh, yes, but, uh, but my arm was around you. It was. So that's a good sign.
1: But so I guess you were on the jury that year. If it was with Christine Choi, Nick
0: Broomfield, you. I remember them all there.
1: Yes. And so so that that must have
0: been the year that I was on the the jury. On the jury.
1: Yeah. Uh Yeah. So thank you because you awarded us the grand jury prize for this. Wow.
0: So, so then I can take some credit for Joker. Yes. Is that what you're trying to say here? Yeah, because it
1: led to everything.
0: Isn't that that amazing how that happens? So you you make this documentary. It wins the grand prize at Sundance. But then, if I now remember correctly, it did not air? Yes,
1: it didn't air.
0: Because of some... Well, it it didn't air because,
1: quite frankly, we made a movie. At the time, HBO was making movies called High on Crack Street and American Skinhead and, you know, movies about... niche films about underrepresented right. people we made a movie about rich wealthy white kids oh, right. beating each other up and right. overly represented kids right and the truth of the matter is we went about it wrong i remember when we would approach these kids as you know making documentaries you yeah. have to get releases signed mm. and i would go to these kids and say hey you know uh, you gotta sign this release before we start mm. filming yeah yeah and the kid would, you know, when I did that on my punk rock movie, they sign it, they're like, yeah, whatever. When I did that on Frat House, they would go, oh, yeah, let me just uh, fax this to my daddy's a lawyer. And and, oh. and then I would go, cool. And then I'd go, five minutes later, I'd walk up to the guy and go, you know what, I gave you the wrong one. Uh, I'm going to give it to you tomorrow, yeah. and we would basically wait yeah. for them to get drunk and stoned, right. and then reapproach
0: them. Right. That was a problem. Yes, but we did it wrong, and they're not. I don't. Re- <laughs> I don't know if that was so wrong. Well, because you mean because later, then they later were, they came they, out and oh, said, "I signed that. I was got, drunk at a, got a party, the money, and, and daddy their parents to who sue think you.
1: their parents thought they're never going to work again if people oh, see brother, this movie because right. they're acting like animals this is
0: like before Facebook. Yes, oh so way before. Where you, so is, yeah, this is fax machines. Literally. So this is so the idea is. There's now footage that's going to be out there, in this case on HBO, right? of Sonny Boy. That's right. Uh, and he's not going to get a job at one of the top law firms in that's New York. That's exactly so. what it was. Wow. So
1: then they came after HBO and Sheila, even though she's been amazing to me, and I would never have a bad word to say about her. She was so supportive. It just became mired in a lot of BS, mm-hmm. honestly, and, and it just never aired. Oh, I'm but sorry. But it's kind of weird because yeah. in, in some ways it made the movie... It gave, do you remember Todd Haynes' film, The
0: Karen Carpenter? Of Discord? course, one of my favorite of all right? time, yeah. But
1: it's almost bigger because it never is, you're not actually allowed to you see can't it, see right? This, you can yeah. only watch it on VHS tape and-
0: So Todd Haynes, <laughs> uh, who's uh, a film um, uh, that he has out uh, right now is uh, uh, Dark Waters Dark with, Mark with Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo you know, wonderful film. He- uh, He made a film, I actually call it a documentary because I have a very broad view of what a documentary is in terms of it being a nonfiction work of art. That's right. He told the Karen Carpenter story. The Carpenters were an old group back in the 70s and whatever, had hits like close to you. Uh, But she had died of anorexia and she'd had quite a tough life. he told the entire story on film with Barbie dolls. He essentially animated Barbie dolls, but real Barbie dolls. Yes. Um, playing Karen and her brother Richard and the parents and everything. And Mattel, which owns Barbie. Right. <laughs> said Sudo, no, fucking said way. no way, cease and desist. <laughs> yes. And so nobody so he had it out in a couple theaters. I saw it in a theater in D C. Well, and, uh, and then it got pulled you and know. that was the end of that and nobody has seen it.
1: So my point is in a weird way, it's become a bigger movie by the, the inability see, to see it. You are, un- you know, and, are and- we
0: still unable to, to watch frat house? Is that- yeah,
1: I guess the truth is, I feel like if I approached those kids, if I know to get in touch with them, they would yeah. love it. Cause it's a yeah. great like window into a time when they were. Acting like morons, they're all. Right. I'm sure have kids now. They have jobs. They're 45 at this point. Who cares? Right. right. But, but this. this but actually, I don't know how to reach them. But I bet you they would love it.
0: Well, maybe they are listening. Yes. <laughs> Number one. Number two. For all you YouTube hacktivists out there, uh, if you can get a copy of Frat House. <laughs> oh,
1: I'll tell you this. It's out there. It's oh, it on YouTube. You yeah. Can see oh, it. yeah. It's it's oh. like up and around. I've seen co- like it floating around YouTube. Yeah. It is. It is out there. Now that I think about it, of course.
0: You just gave me an idea. I have a film festival in Michigan in the summer that i should do um one of these years a a a, a section of the festival of these yes. films you know the
1: other one is the the jerry lewis one the day the clown cried but oh. that's the one that jerry lewis doesn't want people to that, see remember his, yes, his nazi right. camp film yes and then i think he said you can show it after i die so he's plus gone. 10 years oh, so, plus there 10? was some other uh additional like Ten years after I die, which is pretty pretty epic. But again,
0: but again, because my festivals in Michigan, yeah, and there's no rules. Yeah, anymore. you just show it. Yeah, and and ten years in dog years. Yes. What <laughs> and is by that? By the way,
1: I'm, don't quote me because it might have just been two years. I actually don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do. There's like movies like that that are that would be a great
0: section you, yeah, instead of show, like Midnight
1: Madness. No, just show just like, the
0: Karen Carpenter, show Frowns, yeah, yes. <laughs> show the Jerry Lewis.
1: Perfect. I think
0: that yes, you've just given me a, a great idea, and uh, and and I'll I'll I'll, I'll indemnify everybody yeah, in case it. Anybody gets, anybody gets. Uh, frankly, those kids that you filmed back in the '90s, they'll probably love. That's what I mean. Looking I think, at their, yeah, of course, young, drunken. That's right. I entitled think entitled selves. I think they'll get a kick out of it at this point. So okay, so so okay. Now you've made this a uh, great documentary it's won the grand jury prize at sundance with these filmmakers yes. these documentary filmmakers that you just mentioned that are uh great uh filmmakers uh like
1: yourself and nick well, broomfield and christine <laughs> choy why well,
0: I, I meant i meant them not me <laughs> okay. uh, but yes christine choy who killed vincent chin yeah. great documentary and
1: best hotel on skid row great uh, yes. documentary um nick broomfield who's epic and crazy films. and then you have
0: the yes brit <laughs> now but now you have the crushing experience of uh it's not going to air yeah and i i know this feeling um because michael eisner uh after watching um fahrenheit nine eleven, because miramax was owned by disney uh, yeah of course uh said we can't show this Wow, and we decided that. to...
1: Uh, we're of course. And you started Excalibur. Of course, I remember that, right? <laughs> I literally remember the name.
0: Didn't Harvey start? It's, it X- wasn't. No, it wasn't. Wait a minute. It Did was, I make uh, that up? No, 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 no. You're on you're the right track because he um, he formed a company called uh, based on Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Fellowship Adventure Group, oh, and and then it got destroyed. But only after the New York Times did a front page story on how Disney doesn't want you to see this film that right. more made. Right. And then it was like that's the like the gift from heaven. Right. Tell the public that they can't see something. Yeah. Like right now, people are already trying to. They're looking up how to see Frat House. Right. Because <laughs> because, yeah. because you already have millions of fans from the Hangover trilogy, but now this year's film. Uh, you know, I, just as a documentary filmmaker, I want to go watch this film. I want to, I somehow have to see this. Film yes. that you,
1: by the way, voted on. You just don't remember. It's fine. Yeah, no, no, no,
0: no. But that's. I, of course, I don't remember. It's like twenty years <laughs> yes, ago. Course. How would I remember <laughs> it? Right, right. No, it's like that's when you said to me, "I think you were on the jury." I'm like, "I was okay. on a jury." <laughs> you know, usually judges don't let me on juries. That's, so so funny. that's my experience. No, but I have to. No, you. I mean, you'll give me a copy of it, right? I, I mean, don't know I can, that I even
1: have copies. Believe it or not, I. So I. I do. That's are not you true. required
0: by the lawyers to say that?
1: <laughs> no, we do. I have DVDs somewhere in, in my office, and we've we've given them out to people. So if I there. can't
0: find them. The pirated I, I will give it to you, of course. All right,
1: all right. But but you're right. That feeling, what you said about Michael Eisner and your film, there's, there's a little bit of panic that ensues. You know how much work we know we know how much oh, I work goes into this. We these were things. over, and know. by the way, I thought we might have been over with Joker. Just to 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 where we where the the narrative on Joker started heading in the media. I started thinking, Jesus, this is going to be one of those things where Warner's because it's owned by AT and T and yeah. you know Warner Media. It's a much bigger thing than Joker will ever be. Do they just go, this isn't worth the headache? So you do. There was a minute there. No,
0: that's what I exactly thought was going to happen. In the month leading up to Joker, after you won, uh, the, I think, the top prize in Venice, yeah. the Venice Film Festival, which was probably around Labor Day. It was exactly Labor Day. It yeah. was Labor Day. Okay. Um, and they started right in on um, certain media people describing what this film was. And I thought, no, no. And, and I, I, Really? he made hangover <laughs> it's, it's like come on and um the media just they picked it up and all of a sudden the fear level started rising then the national media uh, the nightly news did stories about they're worried that if people if you you know uh you're taking your life into your hands if you go see joker because people are going to come into the theater and shoot it up or yeah. or somebody's going to come in dressed like joker and in fact if i remember correctly uh, some studio, some theater chains, I don't know if it was Warner Brothers themselves, but they put out a directive that if you came to Joker, dressed as Joker, you could not get in That's right. to the theater. Yeah, a
1: couple chains did that. I don't, I
0: don't wanna say which
1: ones because I actually don't remember, but there was two big ones and there's not that many where they said, yeah, no costumes and none of that, which I get and understand. Totally get it, yeah.
0: but what's the message to everybody else? I'm gonna take my life in my hands. Right to see a joaquin phoenix movie right. no i'm not going to do that right and and so so a week or so before it comes out you have your screening at the new york film festival yes i go to it and i can't get into lincoln center because it is surrounded by police cars yeah. with all their lights going yeah and i said to the cops what's going on here well we're here in case there's any trouble i said what trouble well, haven't you heard? And of course I had heard, Right, but I just wanted to hear what they were going <laughs> to say. And, and I said, you know, these are people who had to buy expensive tickets to go to the New York film festival. I know
1: and like donors for the festival dressed yes. up and they're like, there's there are- six SWAT cars parked outside, That you know, out of Lincoln center. It was, it was,
0: it was crazy. And, 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 and course- it was
1: a bummer for us because, you know, it's hard enough to open a movie as we all know. And you're just like, Oh, is this what we're up against? Um, uh, even the night Joaquin and I went out—the Friday night it opened—and we're finally like, okay, it's coming out. We went out to theaters in New York City. Yeah, the theater right here in, uh, in your neighborhood, and mm-hmm. another one, another one downtown. And there's eight. Eight cop cars in front of every theater in New York, and armed, armed of course, cops
0: in the theaters, armed cops in. We're passing them on
1: escalators as they're changing shifts. When's the last time you saw police people in the theater? No. Well, I thought we were dead. Yeah. No. No. I I thought thought the movie was dead. I thought
0: so too. Number one, opening weekend, which counts for everything. Yeah. Uh, People aren't going to go. Right. They've been scared away from this. Uh, They've been told that the movie, and I'm not going to quote anybody specifically, but in the early. Reports, uh, people are posting online stories. How uh, this this is really a movie uh, that honors the uh, the alt right, the incels, the 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 tiki torch carrying people in Charlottesville, right? Yeah, you heard it's, we all it's, this? It's, it's unbelievable. It, it must have, and of course, just we'll get to the movie about what it's about here. But if you, if you haven't seen it, it's the opposite of that. And it, so, as the director, uh, this just must have. I would have been going crazy. and all this effort, all these years, it took years to make this, yeah, of from course. the first thought you yeah. had to do it. yeah. And now it's going to be killed because, Somebody started a rumor that started more press started saying that people are going to um, possibly lose their lives yeah. if they go see I mean, this it was movie. literally on
1: the ticker I was, uh, of CNN. And then I went to London and it was on their ticker on uh, Channel 4 or Sky News. I mean, you know, going across every two minutes of like, you know, um, theaters embracing for. For issues, you know, are, are bracing for issues uh, as Joker heads to theaters in two weeks. And you're going, what? What are you talking about?
0: Theaters are That's what it said. <laughs> yeah. Theaters something are like that, you know, or, Joker or, or expecting the theater. worst
1: or, you know, fears set in as Joker's coming in a week to theaters. And it's like, what is going on? Right. Um,
0: so here you are now. It's it's 20 years past your prize that it, you won at Sunday. Yes, exactly. Um, And 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 this film from 20 years ago never makes it to the public, and now um, people have tried to position this film as something that it isn't, yeah. and you're thinking that the we- days leading up to that weekend, and that weekend, well, I think after the first day you saw. Yes. Because the gross is by the end of the weekend.
1: Yeah, no, we had a massive weekend, but we're still sort of white knuckling it because to be totally honest with you, you start to think, that these reports become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And I don't want to sound like a maniac, like a Donald Trump kind of person, but you start going... I think they want it to happen. Mm -hmm. There's no way. There Mm -hmm. were news vans parked outside of every theater Joaquin and I went to. What are those news vans there for? They're waiting for something to happen. You start thinking that they want something to happen. So you start going, they're driving home after all the five or six showings of the night. Disappointed because they expected something to go down. So it really became, it was really uh, an absolute bummer because it should have been a time, as you know, you put a movie out and... Listen, I'm not I'm not whining about it I don't want to sound like I'm whining, but it should be a time where you're like, all right, here we go. You got, you know, you're excited and we were just Joaquin and I were just dreading every day because it was just a new report of of some think piece that was written about the movie and we had a, a you know, besides all that, we had all these think pieces that came out by people that didn't see the movie. Think pieces that literally said, I haven't seen the movie. I'm not going to see the movie. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't see the movie and here's why and they would write a think piece about yeah. it without having seen it. Yeah. And it was really like, what is going on? What is going on here? <laughs> and 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 everybody would say the movie was political and you'd ask somebody on the left, uh, nobody could define how it was political because it wasn't political. The movie's humanist, you know? Right. But the right would say it's about uh, universal healthcare, which I would argue it actually is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the left would say it's about alt-right and incel culture, which it never was. We no. know what the hell that was and no. where that came from. It was really, yeah. um, but you know what, it's what you just said before, what we were saying about Karen Carpenter, about saying about when Disney stepped in on your, suddenly the New York Times was writing about it on the front page of your film. Suddenly it, it probably in the long run helped. I mean, it's certainly, it certainly the movie was the most talked about movie of the fall and it was talked and half of that chatter was all the, the nonsense and, you know. Craziness, right? So you know, it probably ultimately helped, and certainly feels, you know, vindicating that a movie that was supposed, supposed to, according to CNN and 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 every other news network and newspaper, was supposed to cause mass violence, really ended up just causing a bunch of people to go to the Bronx and dance on a set of, you know, on a staircase <laughs> From the scene of so the movie, definitely right? a yeah. vindicating yeah. feeling. Yeah.
0: joker um really it really blew me away i had listened to all the pre news so-called news um, about what this film was about and uh, the damage it was gonna cause and uh and as i sat there um not 10 minutes into it i can't believe first of all that this film got made and second of all that the the spirit of stanley kubrick has returned wow that's really how it felt right. like i could see that you were not going to obey the rules um the we were told this was an origin story about a not in this case a superhero but a supervillain, and you know 20 minutes into the film you realize that's not going to happen um you have not created gotham Gotham City as as some sort of uh, weird version of New York. It is New York. Right. You're just you now. Maybe maybe you'll tell me that you were just trying to save on art direction because you only had so (laughs) much money for the budget, but you made a decision to have this story set in New York. But I just uh, you know before I I get too effusive here, thank you. Um, I just I I just want to lay my cards out on the table that uh, this film people listening to this, if you haven't seen it, is a masterpiece. Um, Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Um, Will you think about it for the next week or two or three? Yes. Because it's that disturbing? Yes. But why is it disturbing? And um, without giving really too much of it uh, away, even though many people by now obviously have. have, Yeah, uh,
1: feel free to give it away. It's funny you say that because somebody came up to me at a screening and said to me, This movie comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfort, the comfortable. comfortable, Yes. And uh, I don't know if he made it up. I don't
0: know. No, it's a very, it's a very famous famous. quote. You know, one of the great muckrakers of the early 20th century said the purpose of journalism is to comfort the afflicted. Right. And to afflict. The comfortable
1: right and for us they said he said he he made it this guy changed it and again maybe it was changed it was the, the the purpose of art he was basically saying was to comfort the disturbed yes and disturb the comfortable and i thought that was a that was a pretty interesting that, take on the movie
0: that is exactly what art uh should do mm-hmm. and that's what what this film does because it is is set in the 1970s, late 70s, early 80s, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, no dates flash on the screen, but it's, it looks that way, you can tell it's by the cars. Now, yeah. It's not now, but it feels like now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the sense where the graffiti's on the subways and all that, but that um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for a lot of people uh, to get by. The, the We now have more than half the country um, literally living from paycheck to paycheck. That, that awful statistic this year that over 50% of the public does not have $500 to their name. Not in the bank, not in their pocket, obviously, not anywhere. So that, and the way they, this story started was because someone had, a, a, a loved one, a grandparent had died um, on the other side of the country here uh, and she couldn't afford the plane ticket wow. to go to California and back. And that's, that was sort of the, the lead of the story is that the majority of Americans, if a loved one passed away tonight, don't have the money to go to the funeral. Mm. And when it's put like that, right. it's like, yeah, that is the time in which we live. And yes, the unemployment rate's really low, but all that's saying is that people are being employed at $7.25 right. an hour right. or $10 an hour yeah. or whatever. But um, uh, so, so. This film that you make during this time that we're in, and uh, and I'm sure you had the idea to make this before Trump uh, had been elected.
1: Well, before he was elected, but really the idea came to me in August of 2016. So he was already oh, so the was candidate, happening. and and it was it was going down. And so I went start to, there.
0: Start tell tell me how you. Where did, where did this come from? So it's, it's the year is 2016. Yeah. The election I'll tell is you exactly place. what it
1: is. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't so much about the election at that moment to have the idea, but the idea was really about, I had another film that I made right prior to this called war dogs. Mm. And, you know, we make these movies, you work as hard on the ones that do well as you do on the ones that don't do well, or don't sort of set the world on fire. And I remember I was standing outside on Hollywood Boulevard uh, um pacing, because I never sit through premieres and screenings. They make me too nervous. And uh, I started thinking about, wow, well, this movie's not going to, as I said, set the world on fire. And God, the business has really changed. And it's so hard to cut through the fog nowadays with films. And i sitting there smoking a cigarette, staring at this billboard for a comic book film, and I'm realizing... This is really where the business is headed, and the movies I grew up on, the movies that really shaped me growing up, these films from the seventies, whether it's Scorsese and Taxi Driver or mm. Sidney Lumet films or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I go, you couldn't even get those movies made nowadays. If right. if, if you walked in with 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 you know uh, uh, with that script for network, could that movie even get made nowadays? Mm. And then no. I said, and then I thought. Well, you could make it if you made it about one of those guys, literally staring at the billboard. And I just thought, wow, there's a way to kind of sneak a movie through the system, a movie about something, something meaningful, if you kind of dress it up this way. And as mercenary as that sounds, that's really what the idea was. Um, And so the head of Warner Brothers at the time... The premiere was on august 14th i think he was away with his war dogs. of war dogs sorry this is august of 2016. 2016. Mm -hmm. now the 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 head of warner's his name is greg Silverman. he called me because he couldn't come to the premiere because it was a week before his kids started school and they had to go on vacation so he knows me because i've made six seven movies at warner's that i'm always standing outside on hollywood boulevard at the premieres so he calls me on the phone and says Hey, man, I knew you'd be outside. I knew you'd pick up. I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I'm not there. Love you. Love the movie. You know, we're going to support it, whatever. And I go, hey, Greg, you know, I have this idea. Literally, the day of the, for me, the wow. night of the premiere. While the film is on the film is playing, inside. And, yeah, inside. There's 700 people in there. And he goes, yeah, what is it? And I told him, I said, Joe. Oh, so so when I'm looking at that billboard, I thought, boy, you could do it about one of these guys. You get that movie made. And I'm thinking to myself. I'm not a really, a comic book movie guy. I find that they're for children, quite frankly. I, I've always find them, they're, they're, they, they 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 go down too easy for me in a mm-hmm, way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I was thinking about, well, what if you did it about one of the bad guys? You know, what if you took a, a, a villain and gave him, so anyway, so I pitched it to Greg on the phone and he loves it. Like literally I do five minutes on it, what it, what it is. I hadn't had it worked out yet, what it, of course with the movie that we all see now, but I had the idea. And he goes, wow, I love that. You know, that sounds amazing. Let's talk about next week when I get back. When the movie ends, the head head of the studio, Greg's boss, who is in the Chinese theater, comes out and says, what's going on? Greg's been texting me for 10 minutes. Uh, He has all these texts from Greg. He told me you have a great idea. And he goes come ride with me to the party. Cause you know, the parties for the premieres, this one right. happened to be at the sunset tower. So there was a good drive. Right. He goes, come ride in my car with me and tell me it. So oh I God. pitch it to him in the car going to the sunset towers. And by the time we're at sunset towers, it's done, go ride it. That sounds really cool. Um, as you know, in the movie business, Regimes change. I've had a deal at Warner since 2004. That's almost 16 years. I've seen that regime change happen four or five times at this right. point. So while I'm off writing the script with with Scott Silver, who I wrote it with, the regimes change, and all those people I had this great sort of pitch oh. with at Warner's. Now it's a new group, you know. Um, so we had to jump through some more hoops. And you know, <clears throat> you've seen the movie. You know, it was, it's they they ultimately took a bold swing, but there were a lot of obstacles. Um, Ultimately, you know, so many people say to me what you said when you were doing the lead up with this, which was, how does this movie exist? How did, how does, how is this a studio film? Um, and I always tell the story of, you know, I had lunch with a really great old school producer who produced in the 70s and 80s movies we love and a famous old school producer. And he said to me, look, you've made this this studio close to two billion dollars in the last right. six seven years with the hangover movies and yeah. a couple others that we had done and he goes you've earned a lot of goodwill but in this town goodwill is perishable you need to go out mm-hmm. and you need to use it mm-hmm. and that really is what i did with it with joker we just used all the goodwill i had earned over all that time and money um and put it all on the table and um It still was difficult, believe it or not, because the new regimes tend to not want to look back. They want to know what can you do for me now. And it was a risky idea on paper. Looking back on it, it seems like, well, what was the risk? But, you know, we were going into their crowned jewels their ip and taking something and really turning it on its head
0: no the thing that <clears throat> the thing that the thing that turned around the warner brothers we'll call it the in the modern era in 89 was when they did the original uh, batman mm-hmm. movie yeah uh with michael keaton yep and they made a gazillion dollars yep. and in fact when they when they became the distributor for roger and me my first film uh, they essentially were using Batman's right? <laughs> money <laughs> because sure. they were so flush with this cash wow. I mean, that, and the same month they decided to, to buy uh, time, uh, time life. And oh, they right. They bought Warner. time life before then that's the- all Batman generated. Wow. So yes, crown jewels, yeah. Crown jewel, right? This is, this gave them their, that reestablished Warner brothers it's as, true. as a go-to place for the, the, the mass audience, Uh, Films, You're right. And so here you are sitting there with them. You're telling them that you're going to do a movie about a character who is a a supervillain that they've long established. Number of people from Jack Nicholson on have played Joker. But I'm going to I'm going to humanize Joker. Right. I'm going to make him like a real person. Yeah. And there's going to be a sense of humanity to this. And when he starts out, he's not going to start out as a supervillain. Right. Like he's gonna You're start gonna, out.
1: Yeah, basically a movie about a villain where the villain is the hero and you love him and root for him until you can't root for him any longer. Correct. That was sort of the elevator that was, pitch.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> and but okay, so I I because I so I knew those people at Warner's, I can understand them Warner's their their ethos as a studio that they would eventually go for this. Right. But you gotta tell me, when they, they had to bring in the DC Comics. <laughs> people yeah that meeting yeah what was that like because how did you convince dc comics that you weren't going there was not this was not going to be an action film
1: well the truth is and i haven't really said this but the real truth is when the regime changed with the with the with the two or three people that i was mentioning on the warner side the regime also changed on the dc side and they put a guy in charge of dc who's an amazing guy by the way but walter hamada who would have been running a small horror label at, at, at New Line. Um, so he didn't really have the muscle to stop it. And and I'm not even saying he would've, but he didn't get it. And and uh, I, uh, because on paper, it reads, it's crazy and- um, It is, especially if you're writing DC Comics. Yeah, and you just stepped into this new job and really that we just made Shazam and Wonder Woman, were doing okay, do we really wanna mess with the formula? And so I really understood his point, but in some ways, I had enough weight behind me at that point to 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 not overrule it because they could have easily said no but we just kept our 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 foot on the, on the gas and we really just kept um squeaky wheel gets the grease as you say and we just right. made a thing of it for a long time and truth be told the budget was so small and I say so small um in, in relation to other comic book films, not small. You know, we we ultimately made the movie for $60 million, but at Warner Brothers or at DC, that's like an independent film to them. So we kept it so under the radar and so small that in a, in, in some way it felt like, not a can't lose, but like, OK, what could we really lose on this if it just is a disaster and if nobody wants to see it, if it's boring, if it's all this. Right.
0: So they, they, they let us so go. So you, because you kept the budget low, mm-hmm. you didn't have them.
1: Breathing on, down our necks. Yeah. And we basically it was something they ignored for a long time and let us go and, and do
0: it. Like whose idea was it to have it premiere at the Venice film festival? Because again, this isn't where a mass audience uh, action comic book film premieres at one of the top three festivals in the world. There's, yeah. Cannes, there's uh Venice and there's Berlin.
1: Yeah. And, and I would and argue Venice has become really one of the premier ones of, 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 of launching a movie. Um, it's the oldest film festival. It's, yeah. it's, I, I don't know if you've been there. It's of the course. most beautiful no, I thing. My film's there, yeah. So, we that was blair rich who runs marketing there and me because the one thing that that the the, the the that warners was always concerned about was confusing the audience and um so they they you know this audience knows what dc is and all of a sudden we, they just made a movie a couple of years before suicide squad there was a joker character in that how do you separate it so one of those things was was blair rich saying we're going to we're going to sell it differently we're going to we're going to take a different road with it Mm -hmm. so if the movie's good enough we're going to go to venice film festival which which we which we did and premiered there um so that was all part of the like we got to tell people this is not the what they're expecting mainly because we also didn't i thought at one point you know we're going to have mass walkouts if you convince the quote-unquote fast and the furious crowd to show up to this movie because they're going to be bored by it so we wanted to educate the audience that this is not your Typical superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Granted, we educated them, and they ended up liking it and not being bored by it and lo- and and coming back. But we weren't sure about that, so we didn't want to trick anyone into you know. Word gets out so quick on movies. No, nowadays. the trailer
0: was honest. Uh, and, yes, and, exactly. And I think so. Let's say you're a big comics comic book person. um I think you'd have to go check this out. Right, at least check it out. Right. Because these are characters I've lived with since I was 10 years old. Right. So, so, and the fact that not only uh, were you not pilloried by that group. I know, which is right? the one
1: we, that was the group we expected
0: maybe to get no, pilloried. No, just though. the opposite happened. And, and I, and cause I know some of these people, I'm not mentioning <laughs> your names, but um, they appreciated the fact that you took such a risky, deep dive into the human being that is this character yeah. that it made it, it made it so much, you know, okay. Yes. I didn't get my action scenes. I didn't get the car chase, the uh, cameo from one of the transformers didn't show up, <laughs> in right. the film. but it's, it, it is so um it's so moving. Now here's my, the problem I have had with my friends uh, on the left, uh, especially the, the more, education they've had Uh, they do not want to go see this film this is back you know a few months ago oh no no i said no you've got to see this movie oh no are you i've heard it's he just goes around and no no stop first of all dump everything you've heard all right it's 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 like the the world isn't flat you know (laughs) right (laughs) right we don't the, the the sun doesn't revolve around us and joker is not some crazy film to inspire people to be even crazier more violent in fact um the amount of so-called blood in the film is the least bloody r-rated film i've seen in a in a long time and um and without again uh this is why i said at the time giving it away um the people who die i have to tell you to be honest and i'm i'm i consider myself a non-violent very non-violent right person uh, the first three people that die, and by the way, when I say the first three, there's maybe a total of six in the whole movie. <laughs> in right. the whole movie, right? That die. Uh, the first three, you're kind of quietly going, "Yes, oh, one of the three got away." Please, Joker, <laughs>
1: go get him. <laughs> go, get,
0: go get him. Go get him, because because and, because and and we live now in a time where hopefully more and more people are sensitive. Um, And wanting to act on uh, stopping the abuse of women in all the forms that that takes Mm -hmm. in their daily lives. And, of course, this particular scene I'm referring to near the beginning, not at the beginning, but near the beginning uh, on the subway.
1: Yeah, I think we were surprised by the reaction because one of the things that happened outside of, oh, it's going to cause mass hysteria, mass murders, all these horrible things that people were invoking was also, as you say, Um, on the left side, where I didn't expect people saying it's just irresponsible depiction of violence. And Joaquin and I literally, when we were making it, as crazy as this sounds, we thought we were making a responsible depiction of violence because we showed how ugly and horrific violence is. To me, irresponsible depiction of violence is when it's celebrated in a movie when a character is running around with a gun, killing nameless people by the hundreds. You know, I, in in the spirit of defending whatever the country, the this, right. the that. We're out there, and it's supposed isn't it? Violence supposed isn't it ugly? Isn't it supposed to be gruesome and disgusting? So to us, it felt oh, if we show the real world implications of violence, that's such a more responsible way of treating it.
0: But it was surprising. And there's a long tradition of this attitude from the violence in in the Greek plays to Shakespeare, to all, there's always been violence in art, but uh, this was not a gratuitous violence in Joker. And in fact, what I, finally, I got so upset at listening to people saying they weren't gonna go to it, I started insisting that they had to go see this film or I wasn't gonna to talk to them. Well, it's just because, hard when,
1: when people have an opinion and then they hadn't seen it. So that's always right. a difficult thing to talk about. And that's what I meant about earlier about those think pieces. They were writing think pieces about it without having seen it. And, right. and like you can kill a movie after you've seen it, but you can't, how do you no, do I read
0: that? some of those pieces and they, they felt that they were doing something noble by they didn't see anything wrong with saying i'm not going to see this but i'm going to tell you what i think about it right and it was it was um
1: there was even another layer that was more offensive which was the people coming out saying look i this movie shouldn't exist because while i could handle it and while i why i understand it the masses won't understand it and won't be able to handle it you know what i mean like arrogance yes and it just drives you crazy it, uh, uh, but what we realized, what you were saying about yeah. the comic book fans that we thought might be, we'd be pilloried, as you say, from, from the, 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 that community. What what I think it, what it, what it, I was, did a, a talk, a Q&A at the WGA about a week or two ago. And, and, and what you realize is they'd been eating processed food for so long. And, and like, we keep giving them and, and you know, how Hollywood works, Hollywood works. The, the audience dictates what gets made because if they show up to it they're just going to make more of it do you yeah, know what i mean right so there's been this sort of we've been this direction where it's been just kind of processed food over and over the same thing and it's safe and we sort of gave them something different and because we were able to keep that budget down we were able to take that chance and you realize oh wait they want it so i said to the writers guild i was saying whether you like Joker or not doesn't matter, but you can use Joker when you go and you pitch movies at the studios when you're t- when they tell you no, it's too violent or no, it's R-rated and it's gonna there's a ceiling or, or 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 it's weird like use Joker point to Joker and and let that be part of your arsenal to push different ideas through, you know?
0: Yes. <clears throat> well, this is this is what felt so good about the fact that I was seeing something that we no longer get to see films like the ones you mentioned taxi driver dog day afternoon network uh, network cuckoo's nest and if if this film does anything if it does trigger a studio into saying you know what you know the audience is actually a lot more you know intelligent than we give them credit for and they're willing to handle things and they don't just need to be fed the pre-processed uh, cotton candy, sugar foods that we have been giving them, they actually like they like something that has substance, and that's what this film. I mean, it it. Um, I just I left. I wrote I wrote this on my Facebook page. I said um, if you if you're thinking that you're being uh, irresponsible if you go see this film, uh, the truth is is you're being irresponsible if you don't go see the film, because we need to be talking about this film and what it's raising. And I don't mean just, I'm not talking just a political statement, but right from the beginning of the film, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker is he's, he's putting on his, um, his clown paint. Yeah. And what is he doing it for? He's got some shit job that probably pays him under the table. It doesn't matter. Right. you making minimum wage. Right. And he's out on some New Jersey. Well, like,
1: Gotham street, but we shot yeah. it in Newark. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> But it's Gotham. It's Gotham. It's our version, Gotham's version. We call it Gotham Square, our version of Times Square in Gotham.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Gotham Square would be in Newark. Right. Um, but, but and, he's, and he's, you know, you've seen those guys on the roadside where they're flipping an arrow or a sign around to get right. you to come in to buy a used car or right. to, there's some deal at the Verizon store. Um, that's what he's doing. And the sign, um, it's the sign says, everything must go. Right then, that was my moment where- I'm glad you recognized that. Well, I was like, wow. Yes. Oh my, we're, now everything must go. That's that's the theme we're starting with. That is literally the theme. Now I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> exactly. in the movie, which is the best movie. <laughs>
1: and we're saying it about a lot of things. We're saying it also about your preconceived notions of good versus evil. That must go. We're saying it about the- the system i mean what the movie ultimately becomes about we have to turn this around you know everything must go uh yeah not to and i and, and, I, and his I, sanity <laughs> quite frankly yes right
0: <laughs> uh, and not to make my second greek uh uh <laughs> play reference but essentially the chorus of the film where the chorus comes out at the beginning to sort of tell you here is this you know this parable the, this fable we're going to uh, enact for you um here is joker spinning a sign around saying everything must go and right then you're like oh yeah that's actually right and that's scary <laughs> and and wait i don't want everything to go but wait a minute everything is going pick pick whatever subject you want right um right. everything that everything that we believed a president should be gone Everything that we we were told that we had till 2040 to fix the climate change problem, now we've just been told we have less than 12 years right. gone. Right, if that. Yes, if that, you know. And in fact, I have friends who think that it's it's too late. Yeah, I've spoken to people too as well. Yeah. Yeah, like- so, so everything must go. Not only by the end of the film are you feeling everything must go, everything may be gone everything went everything went <laughs>
1: and let's see what happens now
0: Yeah. and and it's so and and so here's this character that joaquin is playing um arthur arthur fleck arthur fleck and you know he just wants a break he yeah. just wants to he wa- he loves watching the comedians on tv he wants a shot at it
1: um, he was told his whole life that his purpose was to bring joy and laughter to the world. He yes. was told that by his mother. He yes. believes he has a purpose. He has this horrible affliction where he laughs, uh, you know, a sort of pseudo-bulbar effect where he where he, he just sometimes breaks out laughing in the middle of a situation, which is something he can't control.
0: Um, and, and yeah, it disturbs people or people find it, <laughs> right. you know, well, that's evil sounding, but it is a physical affliction. It's a real thing. Yeah. And um, but then you also begin to see as his backstory unfolds that the mental illness that he's suffering that is not his fault, right? That is part of of what happened to him as a child, and then what happened to him later. And and you see he's struggling with it, and you see this so-called supervillain has sought help through the social service system mm-hmm. to, to to get to speak to a counselor to try and and that's a hard thing. If you've known people who have certain mental illnesses, it's very hard to self-diagnose and the, the idea of them going on their own without intervention yeah. to get help. Yeah, And then uh, the mayor of Gotham, Says too many of these social services. We got to save our money to give tax cuts to the rich. And then, boom, uh, his counselor has to tell him, I'm sorry, you can't come here anymore because we don't have the money. They're They're shutting down the social services. They're shutting down the social services. And um,
1: and then he loses his medication, and he loses. Yeah, and so they take away know. the
0: pharmaceutical company, the whole, whole, the whole thing.
1: And 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 I mean, the movie takes place in nineteen eighty one, but we wrote it in two thousand and sixteen. The movie is a mirror. To us, it was a mirror. We, we, when I say us, and when Scott Silver and I sat down to write it, it was really about. Let's make something meaningful. Let's make something that addresses this loss of compassion that's going on in the world. You know, um, that we all know that that's been happening. It's not even just Donald Trump. It's been happening right. for years, but that's it's correct. certainly been exaggerated and amplified in the last few years. That's right. And um, this idea of the way we treat people that are different than us. And that's how. It that's sort of where the themes all started. It ultimately ended up becoming, as you said, about childhood trauma. It became about lack of love. You know, Arthur has no love in his life. Um, if somebody had just put their hand on his shoulder, if somebody just treated him a little bit differently, um, you know, it, 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 in the most reductive way, it's about the power of kindness. Mm. I, I, if you watch the film yes. and you walk out and you don't realize it's not about the power of kindness, then you're just missing what we're trying to do there. Um, and, and how it could affect people, and I've had so many people write me emails, reach out to me at screenings and say, you know, I have a sister that suffers from schizophrenia, and my whole life it's been a burden on me, sure. and now I realize what it is for her, and I'm yeah. gonna call her tonight and treat her differently, and I'm gonna, you know, like, it's, it's really had a profound effect on a, a lot of people that live with people that have mental illness, and actually people with right. mental illness, you know? Um, there's somebody that came up to me at a, at a screening in, um, I think we were in, in Paris, and said the thing that really resonated for them was when he said, when in his journal he writes, you know, the worst part about having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. And that is so. Um, encapsulated for them for that person wow. is what it feels like to have a mental illness if you have a broken leg people help you out of the taxi people help you up the stairs they carry your bag if you have a mental illness you're broken inside nobody sees that so people just expect you to be- look at you you look fine why are you so sad you know right <laughs> they expect you to behave as if you right. don't have it right. you know it's right. a very it's a very um powerful thing so it's spoken to people I mean, after all that stuff we were talking about, all the all the all the things that came out, and all the, all the things that felt like there were obstacles, it was able to cut through all that noise and cut through the fog of just every movie has to kind of be that comes out has to cut through the fog of podcasts and zillions of movies and TV shows and and you know resonate. Some
0: of them can't. No, I know, it and are destroyed by it. Yeah, and I think the reason yours wasn't is I think I and I and I say this when I go to. Talk to filmmakers or people who are studying filmmaking or whatever. Your most important job is to make a great film. Yeah. Because if you make a great film, it will cut through and it will be a shield against anything coming at it. Because what they can't say is, this film sucks
1: well they did that to Joker too I mean we did get a lot of that people you know that yeah, so just dismissing that... it. I mean like critics were just saying people who saw it and yeah and, and it was like a little bit discouraging where you just you know mm. but I think that's just by happens. now
0: you should have not been by at this point in your career no I don't read them but you know now everybody but you hear yeah of course and you've got Rotten Tomatoes yeah, that's yeah constantly... it's not even
1: that it's just like you get quote unquote friends that go can you believe what this New York oh, Times guy <laughs> said
0: and you're like I thought you are my friend why are you sending me this <laughs> I know right it's insane Yes. so so in the film as the film progresses, uh the story progresses. Um the have-nots in Gotham um decide to uh revolt. Um I was at a Q&A uh with you uh, a couple of weeks ago uh for Joker and um someone in the audience asked you, um that woman holding the sign resist, <laughs> did that was that just an accident? <laughs> And you said, no, there are no accidents when you make a movie. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Somebody just doesn't wander onto the set with a sign that says resist. Right. But, but basically the barbarians as they are looked upon by their wealthy are at the gate and they are rising up and, um, and they think Joker is their leader. Um, he has no clue and, and doesn't want to really lead anything. Um, but they, He's become
1: like a mistaken icon, an accidental icon for them. Well,
0: there's, of course, the great scene in the uh, Charlie Chaplin film where uh, he's uh, this lumber truck goes by and they've got a red flag. Hanging out the back so a car doesn't run into you. The flag drops, and Charlie Chaplin goes, "Oh, he dropped the flag!" I'm going to pick it up and run after them. And right around the corner comes this big demonstration, right. and it, you see Charlie Chaplin waving guy. the red flag, right. and the police think he's the leader of the of the demonstration. But but it but so there is this uprising. Yeah, in the film, and um and uh, uh Bruce Wayne's father, who's running for Thomas Wayne, yeah, mayor. Uh, th- Thomas Wayne in a Trump-like trench coat, which I'm sure again was just an accident, <laughs> and um, um, and who really, if there is a villain in this film, uh, it is what will later become Bat- this child is going to be Batman yeah. later, but his his father,
1: I suppose, if he was, if there was a villain, there, I would think the villain's to, probably the system, right? In, in yeah, the movie, no, it's not so much true. him; he might be the human embodiment of it to you, to, right. to people, but yeah.
0: But he um, shits all over Joker. Yeah, punches him uh, right in the face. Yes, uh, the the and but he doesn't deserve to die. No, but the uprising. You know, he gets he gets trapped in an alley. Yeah, um, so it it's very. I think a lot of people feel, and I think people watching this movie, it it actually gets I think kind of quiet in the theater because you have this sense of yeah. What is going to happen when people say I've I've taken enough and I don't want to take it anymore.
1: Right. When shit goes down, when shit goes down. Yeah. And, what,
0: and what we have seen in the last few years and what the 2016 election is, is that those people who are the, you know, the disaffected, at least the white people um, who are poor, um, we're going to rise up. And give us what we've got. Yep. Not because they were necessarily fans of Donald Trump. He no. just looked like. You get the president you deserve. Yeah. What basically said. Yes. Yeah. In
1: our movie, you get the villain you deserve. We have right. the president you deserve, who's also a, uh, a an accidental icon in a way. For that, you know, he's become, um, you know, because it's very funny because a lot of people make that direct connection like you just did with Thomas Wayne, trench coat Donald Trump. But I would argue there's a way to look at this movie and realize that Joker at the end of this movie is more playing that part that he's standing on that car looking around at these thousands of people cheering him on and realizing like, how did this happen and sort of puts his arms out and goes, all right, let's do this, you know. Um, there's it, it it it's a funny movie because it really de- it really depends on where your head's at. I've had I've had people have both sort of reactions yeah, to it. Yeah. Really, the lens at which you view it through is and 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 that's what's been so polarizing about the movie and and so divisive about the movie is it it just has to do with the lens with which
0: you view it through. So you bring up the scene at the end and he's mm-hmm. on top of the car and and his hands are outstretched mm-hmm. and uh you know in the form of, of, of the Jesus Christ sure. moment of, yes, follow me. Um, so begs the question, I'm sure you've been asked this, uh, you know, is the, does, is that the, are you telling us then that there's going to be a sequel? Uh, <laughs> I this? wasn't
1: really, I you know, it, it but of course, I'd be lying if I said a movie that cost $60 million made a billion dollars. The studio doesn't come to you and goes, okay, how are we going to figure this out? You got to figure it out. You know, would you and Joaquin do it? And Joaquin and I have spoken about it. And I've said this before. It's not necessarily breaking news. But it would really be about figuring out if we could find... Uh, something that had real thematic resonance, the way this did, because I really it, it be I don't want to go make a movie now about the clown prince of crime. It's never been interesting to us. Right. Um, that wasn't why we got into this to start. Right? right. We want we, you're not
0: on your way to making Death Wish six. Right? Right.
1: We we wanted we wanted to have some kind of thematic resonance if we did it, and if we could crack that, and and Scott Silver and I, who would do it together, if we could if we could give it that, we we might be interested in it. I have a, a filmmaker, a director friend of mine, who said to me, what are you doing here? I saw him at a thing. I go, what do you mean? He goes, why aren't you home writing the sequel? And I said, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do it. It feels like, you know, really? You know, it's kind of beautiful that it exists on its own. And and we kind of, we got through by the skin of our teeth kind of thing. And he goes, here's what you're not realizing. He goes, your movie is essentially a first act. He goes, the movie is such a slow burn. And it's great that it's a slow burn, but it's really that car that's your end of the first act. I want to see two acts of Joker now. Right. I want to see what the fuck happens. I thought that was an interesting way of looking at yes.
0: it. Yes, so I want to encourage you, don't, uh, don't listen to the art snobs right? Uh, who are saying, oh, <laughs> you're just doing this to make money now. No, no, um, you've made this masterpiece. You've made a film that when they write about this era that we're in, this film will be referenced Thank in you. the way that films in the past right. were referenced about, about their eras. Um, this will happen with with Joker, and um, but you're right that that it really is a first act ending, and so now the burden on you and Scott right. and Joaquin is now we need to see your Godfather two right <laughs> easier said than done <laughs> right because sequels in and of themselves are not evil uh, things right. we can name the sequels that right. were arguably even better right. than the first one. Uh, Godfather 2 might be the one <laughs> um, uh, for the, for the wider audience listening to this Star Trek 2 wrath, okay. wrath of Khan. I haven't seen it is, uh, is <laughs> right. Because you don't watch comic book <laughs> type movies, but, um, but no, but there are those few examples where um, and, and yes, it's a, it'll be a challenge to you, but, but we already know, first of all, You didn't need to do this. Mm -hmm. You, I read what you, the deal you did with Hangover. Right. You wanted to make that movie so bad and they didn't want to make it so bad. So you said, fuck it. I'll, I'll do it for practically for free. No, literally for free. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Literally for free. If it makes money, pay me then. Right. Right. And of course, it made a gazillion billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the three of them, I'm sure, it made a billion or two. The three movies did, yeah, a Six worldwide, yeah, yeah. yeah. The okay, three, yeah. So, so you don't have to disclose your financial situation here, but I would guess if you made that deal and your your pay was on the percentage of the back end, you you made so much money that you didn't need to make Joker. Oh no, no, I did not do Joker as a as a money grab. No, yeah, I mean, we actually no. You were I having a cigarette. <laughs> on the sidewalk outside (laughs) grumman's chinese theater in la and an idea comes to you from looking at a fucking billboard right you know that what if what if and you put the twist on it right in your head this is actually this is a commercial offer encouraging people to smoke (laughs) but but seriously by the time that warner brothers guy in the theater had come out he had already spoken to the warner brothers guy (laughs) that you talked to on the phone right and they were smart enough to say wow this is a Brilliant idea. Yeah, because just to
1: go back to that really quick, it wasn't one idea. What I pitched them was we should start a label. We should start a label where we get great directors, other directors. Joker can be the first one, but let's do a label called DC Black where we make stripped down, no CGI, no spandex, quote unquote comic book movies, but we do deep dive character studies. And I literally said get so-and-so to do this character. I don't want to name them because I've never told these directors. And get (laughs) so-and-so to do that character. And we started with Joker and we started an entire label. I go, why wouldn't you do, why are you, instead of trying to be Marvel, do something that Marvel can't do, which is like an R-rated strip down. that Disney can't make those movies. So instead of trying to emulate them, go over here. But by the way, You can still do your normal DC movies, have two bites of the apple. So to me, it was a very like, so that was the thing that they got excited about was this other whole label that ended up going away when the regime change happened and they started saying... And I understand why they did it. Now we're going to complicate all these different worlds. Let's just, if we feel like doing a movie like this, we'll do it. It doesn't need its own label and blah, blah, blah. But that whole, when he came out of the theater and goes, wow, I want to talk to you, ride with me. It was about this idea of the label, not just this idea of one movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was where it all came
0: from. Yeah. That's Wow. That's even a more uh, more amazing story. <laughs> it, I just want to ask you, to, uh, because we haven't talked about Joaquin and the incredible performance what did that take out of him? I can't. That that it must have been so draining. It was, and yeah. So you know, I mean, I don't think he goes halfway
1: on any movie. I don't oh think my god! He goes, meaning, I, it didn't matter no. that it was that it was a bigger movie than he'd, right. he'd done recently. This guy just goes all in and gives it his all and and um, takes it very seriously. And we talked about it a ton before we started, and of course while we were shooting. So it was, um, you know, it was it was a lot, but. Uh, he also has said since I've done a ton of press with him, press with him it, you know, it was, the, it was the greatest acting experience of his life. I really do think this character Joker is sort of magical in a way. I think it attracts people that are in, have a little bit of chaos in them. I think if you look at Jack Nicholson, you look at Heath Ledger, even Jared Leto, who did it they all have a little chaos in them as actors as people right and Joaquin certainly fits in that right. too and um, there was something about it that I think is really liberating for 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 Joaquin and um, we just went for it Wow well, but it was a, it was an ordeal to get him to do it you know I mean he he, he get a, Joaquin Phoenix if you look at his last 10 years of movies this doing a comic book film even though it's not really but on paper it's still called Joker it still says DC on the screen. He, he was resistant for sure to that idea. Um, mm. And I spent three months up at his house saying, No, no, no. I, there, there's a quick story I said to him. Uh, I felt like I had him close. I'd been up there for three months talking about character, talking about tone, vibe, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. And he goes, uh, And we, he goes to me, I kind of expected him to just go, Okay, I'm in, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I'm still just having trouble because it's still, maybe if it was called Arthur if we could just lose all the Joker shit and do that. And I'm, I'm thinking, there's no way we're going to get this movie made if it's called, you know, like we. Have, this right. is half the reason we're getting this thing pushed through the system. And I said to him, he goes, I just don't know why. I don't know why I would do this. Um, and I said, you know, you're looking at the movie the wrong way. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, you got to think of it as the greatest heist movie ever made. And he goes, heist movie? There's barely any action in this film. Where's the heist? I go, no, no. we're going to take $60 million from Warner Brothers and we're going to do
0: whatever the fuck we want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I go, promise, trust me,
0: you got to do this. (laughs) Right. And, and if anybody from Warner's is listening to this right now, they know that story. (laughs) They know that. Yeah. They,
1: right. And because it wasn't like that, it's a reverse heist now because uh, they've made so much money. That's right. Right.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, I read that it was the largest grossing R rated film ever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah.
1: But yeah, the idea being like, don't worry, because I knew once we got the green light, once he was on board, they just from my past making movies there, they're an amazing studio to make a film at for a director. People have this idea that, you know, studios are overbearing. And again, maybe because it's my 10th movie and I've made them a lot of money, but we were just, we were out there. The inmates were running the asylum on Mm -hmm. this movie. It, It often felt like we're out here making a student film, you know?
0: Yeah, well it doesn't look like a studio no, film. No, but you know what I mean. But I know I know what you mean that when you when you see Joker, it does look like the inmates have taken over and if you're a filmmaker watching this, you're also thinking how the hell did this happen? Right. How did they get away with this? Because um everybody wants to play it safe. Everybody wants to keep their job. Uh this doesn't look like a safe decision. This looks like a reckless decision and some of our great art comes from this reckless abandon to the rules, right. And which you did here. And, um, and I think that, that on so many levels, you can come into this movie. If you just, for the entertainment value, it's there. Um, if, if it's, if it's the time that we're living in and you are, are, you feel this, if you just want to live in a world with more empathy, the film is a cry for empathy. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would disagree with we could use a bit more of that yeah. right now. Yeah. But it's also a cry for resistance. And and the dregs, as they're referred to, shouldn't tolerate how they're being treated, shouldn't put up with this, shouldn't have their health care cut. Um and and you need to see the real life consequences of when you when you punk on the people who are on the lowest rungs of the ladder. Don't just think they're going to hang on to the ladder and smile up at and you. Take and take it. I don't know it.
1: if you've seen the impact that it's had globally, you know, at, at some of these um, uprisings in Chile and Beirut and um, uh, Hong Kong, where people are donning this sort of clown mask. Yes. And it's become I saw that in part Hong of Kong. it. Yes. And yes. Chile it was really big. And in Beirut, too. Um, and we just get it across the news where this symbol of um, dissatisfaction for whatever. There, there are different issues going on in these sure. countries. But it's become this thing of like what you just said. Yeah, we're hanging on by this bottom rung. And no, we're not just going to hang here. And it's been, you know. And if you think it's going to drive
0: some of us crazy, you're right. Right. Because some of us have been driven crazy. Right. And, and, you know, there will be blood. I hate You hate to say that or think that because you don't want that to happen. But if you're so stupid that you don't realize that you can only shit on people for so long to think that they're going to take it, they eventually will not take it. And, and yes, they may follow leaders who are insane. <laughs> right. Um, right. But they can't all be crazy, but they can't all be crazy. Right. No, because they're not all crazy. Right. They're, they're responding to something. And that is the, that is the deep finger that this movie puts into the pulse of this country right now and the world. And, and that's why you've had a worldwide, I think, response to this And the way that I saw that in Hong Kong where they're putting the Joker uh, <laughs> makeup on in the way that the that Occupy Wall Street people were putting on the Guy Fox yes, masks exactly. from V for Vendetta. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: um and it's and they want to scare those in charge. Right. They don't have the money or the weapons or the whatever right. to defeat the system. Right. But if they can at least scare it a little bit into, hey, just give us a little more. Yeah. Just take your foot off our neck a little bit. That's all we really want. We just want to live our lives. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I was so uh, profoundly moved uh, after seeing this. I had to go for a long walk after watching uh, this film. And um,
1: I mean, you've been doing it with your movies your whole life. You've been making movies that make a difference and that address something real. And there's something you realize, you know, after I've, I've had a lot of success in the business, but also a lot of opportunity. And sometimes you go, you know what? You get older and you realize... You could affect change with something. You could you could have an impact. Affect change is actually too big of a way of saying it. But, but why not use in this time that we're living in, in this 2016, when we're coming up with this idea, why not make something that means something? This is the tools we have and i'm given these opportunities and i think other filmmakers too i mean the best protest songs written in the 70s were at the time when we needed them right you can make protest movies we have the power we i mean the people making films i'm talking about like my director friends and the men and women that produce these movies like why not do it like that is part of the thing so joker was born out of that you know the, the reason we put modern times the Charlie Chaplin movie we reference modern times we're telling you this is now do you know what I mean you know everybody goes to me that the question I get on press junkets when they have four minutes is like "Ah, so tell us how do you go from making the hangover to making the joker and I go We made the hangovers, Obama was president. This is all a party. (laughs) Now, like we're in a, this is like DEFCON 5 here. Like shit has to change. So we have these opportunities as artists, as filmmakers, as musicians, as writers and podcasters. It's our
0: job in a way to kind of address these issues. So two points to this. Number one, you know that Hangover was not just another No, I'm, I comedy. know, but but No, uh, but you did something in Hangover. Thank you. The reason why it it resonated so well is that again you the, the voice in your head as the viewer is saying, "Oh, he shouldn't have done that." <laughs> Oh, that's not right and then the fact that you would make mike tyson who should have been given the oscar for best supporting actor i agree (laughs) that that i you single-handedly saved his his legacy but but it's i think because you're a storyteller and a filmmaker you can tell your story through hangover you can tell your story through joker but what you just said your challenge to filmmakers is that you can make a difference or you can, I don't mean some phony noble, I'm up on my high horse, yeah, right? I, but you have the ability to leave a mark, to make a difference. And, and you, you were just saying this now in the, in the general you, mm-hmm, the plural yes, you, right. but I want to just say it back to you. Mm-hmm as as and thank you for what you said about you know my films and all that but well you've
1: been doing it for decades like you you managed to just say this is what I'm going to do with my career like you basically have only done that and and it's it's admirable to watch you're an amazing filmmaker like we've spoken off camera about it you're a huge influence for me when I started in documentaries but You've just always known it. You're just like, hey, I have this voice. I've been given it. I said to Michael before we started, how is this that you haven't had a podcast before? You feel like the original podcast, even though you've never (laughs) done it. You know, it's like, this is, of course, you're going to do this.
0: I have had it, but it's been in my head for 20 years. (laughs) It's just an ongoing daily podcast. But no, but I say this. So you, fellow documentary filmmaker, (laughs) you who started out with documentary, that you need to make a difference again and again. And again, I encourage you now that, you know, you are, you're already Todd Phillips. You already have an Oscar nomination for, we haven't mentioned this for Borat (laughs) as, as one of the writers of of Borat for Christ's sake, (laughs) talk about one of the great comedies of all time, but, but we, the, the audience, you need to after Joker, make whatever that next thing is, Mm -hmm. whether it's the act two of Joker or, or whatever it is, but you clearly have the ability as a filmmaker uh, to tell a story that can affect how people feel, how they see the world, what they may go and do about it in their own personal lives. That's, that's an enormous gift. It's not a sense of power. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. And so I uh, encourage you, uh, to do that I'm, yeah. and i'm saying go back to documentary films no i I'm, understand stay where you're at yeah, <laughs> stay yeah. in your lane yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> but weave yeah. weave in that lane yeah uh uh be reckless uh, give us more of this and whenever that voice is telling you usually it's it's that outer voice not yeah. your own inner one uh don't do this oh oh, oh ta, ta! please why why why, right. why come on why why are you doing this anytime you hear that, you know, you're on the right track Right for sure. And that's always, it's exciting uh, to me, I think, and to other people who saw Joker to think what else you will do in the next two years, the next four years, the next 10 years. It's, um, um, you know, it's an honor to have you sitting here. Oh man, uh, thank to be you here so here much on, on for having me. One of my first podcasts and uh, uh I wanted to do this with you so badly and you just happened to be in in New York uh, and uh and you instantly said yes and
1: uh, You don't know, you're you're like a hero of mine. I mean, outside of the movies, the what you the way you speak truth to power and 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 another thing I want to say really quickly is this movie Joker, you helped this movie invaluably invaluably you don't even realize because you wrote this great, beautiful essay. I'll say on Facebook, at our lowest point when it looked like this movie might not come out, when we were getting warnings from the FBI and the Army about credible threats when there were not credible threats, and you wrote this beautiful thing that got picked up everywhere and really helped um, eloquently uh, put reason on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, just like let's calm the fuck down and and talk about what we're what we're we're talking
0: about here um well thanks for saying that and uh i'll if you're listening to this i'll i'll post that um on our website here for rumble right for the podcast and uh and you can read it i felt i felt i had an obligation to do that oh thank you because i was so afraid um that the the film might get lost or buried or suffocate from the noise around it and i wasn't going to let that happened i just became i know i didn't call up warner brothers i didn't call up you <laughs> right I just, yeah, you just did <laughs> it I was a self-appointed I,
1: my friend he texted me he goes have you seen what michael moore wrote about jogger and my of course my first reaction because i'm jewish and everything all i have are negative thoughts i go oh no what did he say? i thought he was just sitting bad
0: <laughs> oh no no i uh it's, it was beautiful it's um you know i don't like having discussions about oh this was the, the best film of the year. You are the best actor. Or you're the best, the best, the best, you know, all the, we, you and I both know that this is all a lot of uh, crazy making this award season right, and all yeah. that. But I, I have told everybody I, I could um, that they should see this film um, that it had a huge impact on me. It made me thank you for what you said about what I do, but um, I'm a human being too. Uh, this isn't the easiest thing to do and um i if this doesn't i hope this doesn't sound too corny i felt less alone wow you yeah. after i saw this film right um obviously in part because i saw it with an audience that was wondering you know how oh, how is it we're still alive at the end of the movie <laughs> so we made it you know but no because you the filmmaker um who i had allegedly met only once before <laughs> i have a photo there's a photograph <laughs> at sundance but but I just felt I was less alone as a filmmaker uh, because now um, there's you. There's our our wonderful friend who made uh, Birdman. Yeah. Think of, think of you know, know. Uh, or V for Vendetta or yeah. these other films of the last decade or so that- um, And
1: I think we're going to see a lot more to come. Please. And not as a reaction to Joker, but as a reaction to what's going on in the world. I mean, I do yes. think uh, the film directors I, I talk to we all know it's part of what we do is to sort of confront these things through our art. I think I'm always surprised how there are no, there, there, there seems to be a lack of it in music when we were younger. That's what music was. Neil Young goes and writes Ohio. He goes off into the woods with his guitar and writes Ohio. These are protest songs. I'm always surprised in music. It does, It happens in hip hop to a degree, but it never feels like it takes hold the way it used to take hold. And maybe there's just too much. I don't know, but it does feel like it is a
0: job of, of, Artists in a way that it's something we should, I think, yes, consider because throughout history, it is, it has been the artists who, who do their best art during times like this. Mm -hmm. And it is often the artists that the authoritarians go after first. Because they know they have to silence that—that <laughs> right. that, the voice of the artist. Because the people like the artists. They but like the You know, it's you know
1: funny if you really think about it. It can be done subtly. If you think about what's happened in the in the mid '90s to the through the beginning of 2000s with the LGBTQ community b- between Ellen and shows like Modern Family and shows, you know, that we slowly shifted a, na- a country's opinion of the gay and lesbian community through. People like Ellen DeGeneres and television shows like Modern Family and um, the other one. There's been a million. But Mm -hmm. where and slowly everybody, you don't even realize it. And now it's embarrassing to think about, um, you know, thinking of um, uh, somebody as as different or now it's just we've like everyone even even the people we think couldn't handle it, they're fine with it now we have We have a mayor Pete running for president, <laughs> and it's actually like he's there and he's being discussed, and it's not it doesn't even come up all the time, you know right, so these things do shift, they take time things but if you think about it the i don't know how I don't know if it was a concerted effort on the LGBT community or or not, but it actually happened, and it happened through entertainment, weirdly, a lot of it
0: right because entertainment art. Uh, writing uh, is these are some of the few fields where people um, who are gay and and, or who are not in the majority of anything, whether it's uh, race, ethnicity, religion, whatever. um, It's been a place. It's been a refuge, but a a welcoming place to have your voice heard. It's true. And um, and so like the comedians I mentioned at the beginning of this, the Charlie Chaplin Jewish, Uh, Richard Pryor, Black um um George Carlin we talked about George Carlin uh, I don't know, Irish this? oh
1: he was Irish <laughs> yeah
0: no, I, no I'm because I'm my family's all from Ireland got it we know them all no we're and we're angry and we're dark yeah and uh uh if we didn't have a sense of humor we'd be drinking even more right, so right. I'm just saying but uh, no uh Lenny Bruce Jewish yeah. I mean you go it's it's it is and it needs to be and more and more now women our best comedians are are women and yeah. they have been shut out for so long yeah so this is all good Change can happen and it doesn't need to take a hundred years right. or a thousand years. We saw this as you just referenced. If you'd asked me at the beginning of the two thousands, you know, do you think like there'll ever be something called gay marriage right. or we we'll have a black president, right? we'd say, are you kidding? I mean, I'd like to believe we could but that's never going to happen. But don't you think that... And it, then boom. It, right. But it happened slowly by, pe- by by making shows about, like literally
1: television shows and yes. movies where it's just like, oh, it's just his normal neighbor. Oh, he happens to have a husband. That's fine. And it's just like, it just sort of somehow sneaks in and it becomes a yes, thing. Yes,
0: I believe that television, movies, art triggered it. But um, in the case, especially with on the, on the issue with gay marriage, I think so many people gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual, the whole genre here, came out to their friends, family, people at work, and it's hard to hate. Right, when you put a face on it like that. The person that you're working next to and you love him so much, you're gonna suddenly hate him because he says he's gay. right. And and that took a lot of courage,
1: a hundred percent. come out, it, it, but don't you think those those shows sort of norm, yeah. normalize it to a way where they could come out? Absolutely, because they're, suddenly yes. your coworkers are talking about that show, and then you can finally go. You know what? I I'm, don't.
0: I'm not taking anything yeah. away from no, that. No, and I don't mean to give
1: it all the credit because it's still it's still now 2019. I'm sure hard to come out in that way, but. It's amazing the shift we've made when you think about 15 years of it and you go, okay, it could happen. And my point isn't even about
0: that anymore. It's about what's the next thing, right. you know, and you can go like, we can do it. And while, you know, we, had, we didn't want to, uh, you know, I think Warner Brothers is not uh, interested in Joker as a healthcare, as a healthcare <laughs> movie. But the, but, but the truth is, is that when we do talk about universal healthcare, oftentimes, or Obamacare, it does not include mental health issues right. um and even in the countries that have universal some of them will not cover mental uh, health and that should be at the top of yeah, the list i know and we because need the to circle
1: down effect of that yes. is so massive and yes. and and the costs that go with that when it's not addressed are so massive
0: well this has been an, an incredible discussion uh todd uh thank you uh for being here on one of my uh, first uh podcast and um, for people listening, if you haven't seen Joker, please go see it. I'm certain we'll be on uh, home video or streaming. Yeah, or, by, the,
1: by the time this airs, I think it'll probably be on like the iTunes stuff. Whatever on it iTunes yeah, by yeah, sometime streaming. around the holidays yeah, or. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, so so watch this film. If you're the kind of person who's thinking, no, 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 no I can't watch this. Film. Yes, 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 yes. You can. You must. Uh, I, I beg you to do that. Uh, uh, we'll all be better as a as a result of you watching this film and and i look forward to whatever you're going to do next thank Thank you you. thank you for having me
1: uh it was really an honor to sit here and talk to you thank you
0: todd phillips thank you very much